Welcome to the Rally Point Podcast, where we equip you to support others. I'm Bobby Jackson. And I'm Noah Throw. And today we're going to be talking about pastoring families effectively. Bobby and I will be talking with a fellow podcast host and pastor of family and student ministry as he shares with us what's useful to know as we lead students and families in our ministries. Yeah, this is one of the critical parts of doing ministry well. It, a lot of the time, um, as, a, as a youth pastor, we can get trapped into just doing ministry to kids. Um, we, can, we can tend to like hanging out with the kids and whatnot. And uh, a lot of times we end up leaving the family and the parents behind. Yeah, well, and I think what I really am excited about in this conversation, Bobby, is, you know, you're a parent raising a family and you've been in youth ministry. I've been in youth ministry as a student more recently and then as a leader and I'm studying to to do family therapy. And uh, and then we've got a great guest on who's been doing youth ministry and, and working with families and focusing on how to equip parents to lead families well. And so I think that we're just all coming from three very different perspectives on the same thing. And I think that's going to be really valuable just to gain a lot of um, experience, perspective, and uh, and move forward into, you know, learning how to be equipped to do this well. So yeah, we're really excited to, to get this conversation going. Yeah. Today, we are really fortunate to welcome Jay Holland. Jay is a family and student pastor in Stewart, Florida. He's the husband of Emily, the biological and adoptive father of four children, and a fan of Marshall University sports, which means he's used to disappointment. Jay launched a podcast called Let's Parent on Purpose four years ago to help equip the moms and dads in his ministry to build thriving families centered around the hope of the gospel. And it is such an honor to have you here today. Um, So Jay, welcome to the show. Hey, it's great to be here, and I feel like I should have added a little update because since I sent you that uh, bio, Marshall fired their football coach, so we're in that little sliver of hope right now before next year's season starts, so uh, then we'll be back to disappointment. Nice. So he's talking about the hope of the gospel and a new coach. Well, Jay, um, really quick before we jump into it, could you run us through how you got started and came to your current ministry, and then what prompted you to start the uh, Let's Parent on Purpose podcast? Yeah, sure. Well, first off, in addition to be a follower of Jesus, I'm a, a husband, biological, and adoptive father of four. And I mm-hmm. got my start in student ministry as a youth pastor in the very end of 1998 in my home church in West Virginia. Just as briefly as mm-hmm. I can, uh, it was there six and a half years, was married, ended up, uh, my my wife was, we were going to go to India as missionaries, had a little three-year-old girl. My wife act- ended up dying of um, complications of an autoimmune sickness um, so through that, uh, just kind of a, that's a completely different podcast, but, uh, through kind of that journey in being remarried was in Nashville, the housing market crashed in, uh, 2008 and I, my, my bride, Emily had a home in South Florida where I never, ever, 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 ever wanted to live. Um, <laughs> and so then I found myself moving into that house cause we couldn't sell it. We couldn't mm. rent it out for half the payment. And that was God's sovereign way of getting me down here to South Florida, joined a church, and a year later they brought me on staff, and I've been here um, about to complete, I think, my 13th year or 12th year. I've kind of wow. It's long enough to where I've lost count on staff. <laughs> so a number of years ago, I was on staff, and uh, our youth, youth pastor stepped down, and I just kind of stepped in to help bring some structure back to the program. Uh, so that we didn't have to make a desperate hire. And, and then I forgot how much I love being with students. 
Um, and so being mm-hmm. back in, it's like, the, I love the creativity and I love the the vision that you get seven years with them. You know, your best ones you get mm-hmm. from sixth through, yeah, through 12th absolutely. grade. And I was looking mm-hmm. and my daughter was in fifth grade and I thought, you know what, I'm going to hover over whoever our youth pastor is anyway and be really annoying to them. So I might as well just be that guy. Um, so also yeah. I will be able to keep tabs on boys if, if I'm the youth mm. pastor and, and, and do my best to brainwash boys and girls to never, ever date and be together. And so, yeah. uh, you know, my daughter just got engaged this weekend. So the, wow. uh, the keeping tabs on boys, so close. uh, yeah, I know. Oh, no. Um, but he actually is a young, young man that, that, you know, I got to lead to the Lord. I got to baptize and sat under four mm. years of our teaching in youth. Um, and mm. so if a, if a wow. stinking boy is going to come and rob you of your daughter, they might as well have been a part of your ministry. And so that's a, he's a good, good guy so and a good true. blessing. But somewhere mm. along the way, uh, a number of years ago, I just started realizing how little impact I actually have as a youth pastor in comparison to the impact that moms and dads have. Uh, you know, they've done studies Absolutely. before where they see like the, the average kid that's involved in a church spends about 50 hours in the church over the course of a year, whereas an average parent gets about 3,000 hours with their child in a course of a year. And so you think about that, and it's like, if mom and dad aren't engaged and invested, it's a complete crapshoot whether I can really have an impact or not. So I, I just started thinking and praying through the parents in my church and in my ministry, and how could I invest more into them when I'm with their kids during our, our regular service times? And so that's what actually birthed the podcast, Let's Parent on Purpose. I'm in my fifth year now. We're a little more than 200 episodes into it. That's what it's for. Let's Parent on Purpose is to strengthen moms and dads to build thriving families because I'm not convinced that I'm a very good youth pastor in the long run. When we invest in in parents, I think one of the things I I also realize is it it's exponential. Like your influence is way more helpful if you can equip a parent to yeah. to parent on purpose. Your ministry goes way further. Yeah, you're duplicating ideas and methods and all the things that you do or that you think you do well or whatever. And and uh, the actual influence goes goes way further, way deeper. Um, what are some of the things, so as you've run your podcast and, and 200 episodes is, is, is pretty awesome, pretty amazing. What are some of the themes that parents have responded and said, like, this is really helpful? Are there, are there a couple of things that pop up regularly that parents comment on or, or thank you for or engage with? Yeah, I th- so one of those, I just ended up adding it to the tagline at the end of every episode is just the reminder that parenting is a marathon, not a sprint. Mm. There are so many seasons in it and, and you have to prepare and equip yourself like you're running a marathon, which Mm. is just a completely different philosophy than if I'm running a hundred yard dash. And that's just a great reminder to parents. And so that helps too, because any particular day of parenting you can feel like is the end of the world. But if I remember, listen, this is there. I'm in process. The kids are in process. And today probably doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things near as much as what I'm making it out to be at the moment. That's just very helpful. So parenting is a marathon, not a sprint. And and just the other one I would say is believing the gospel so that the gospel isn't just good for getting me to heaven but the gospel is true in my everyday life. The gospel gives me hope when I blow it as a parent that really like my salvation is grace-based and my parenting is grace-based. But also I want to model the gospel for my my children, which means that my love is unconditional even if my expectations of them are not being met. 
and and realizing, listen, I don't even meet my own expectations for myself in life. And so I should probably be realistic about these little humans that are in my house that they're going to blow yeah. it all of the time. Just yeah. having grace for yourself, yeah. grace with them. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got, you know, 35, 40, 45, 50 years of experience and you're still not sure, how can these, you know, three, four, five, even 13, 15 year olds be be absolutely confident in what they're doing? How can we all know the right thing to do and, and live up to those expectations? That's that's really valuable. I like the parenting as a marathon and and not a sprint. And something, you know, you mentioned it earlier was strengthening those moms and dads in their marriage. Is there a way that you speak to parents about looking at the marriage and parenting as a marathon and kind of dividing up the responsibilities? Or is it, hey, we both need to be in this, you know, a hundred percent on the same on the same path? Or is it Hey, we each have different responsibilities in parenting. What does that look like when you're when you're speaking to parents? Yeah, you know, and that's really interesting because I I speak to the ideal a lot of times of like this is the very best thing, but but reality is like even in my podcast, I I'm a man, I my first thought is to think about the parenting home from the the leadership that I provide in my home to my parents, but but I realize a lot of those listening to my podcast, even those parenting in the church, the mom is the spiritual leader of the home. And oftentimes the, the dad is spiritually disinterested or sometimes absent altogether. And so, you know, trying to say, okay, in the best world, this is the way that it's going to happen. But very few people live in the best world. And even those who have a spiritually engaged mom and dad, man, we go through seasons um, and so I think beyond roles of like, you should be doing this or you should be doing that, a common vision is certainly really helpful, uh, a, a long-term vision. And then a lot of um, resiliency, you know, a lot of, of flexibility, you know, in this season, you know, maybe dad at work is just being crushed. So he's got fumes in the house. We need to recognize that. We need to give him some space, but also let's try to think through our life. Like, why am I on fumes all the time? Do I want to spend the 20 years of raising my kids on fumes? And if not, how do we address these things to where this is a season and not the explanation of my life? You know, I, I do premarital counseling with a lot of the young people that get married in our church. And I say, even if you stay married to the same person for 50 years. It's kind of like you have seven different marriage relationships because, you know, the young lady that you marry who is full of hope and has her career ahead of her and everything is different than the one that's very, very pregnant and has two or three little kids running around and is living in the dark ages of their life, which is very different than when they kind of emerge out of that and the kids begin to take care of themselves and you start to get your life back. And, you know, then there's so many different phases just the kind of the long, the, the idea with, with a marathon is you, you have to have a long-term vision. You have to be able to celebrate little things along the way because, you know, a hundred yard dash, I know that even if I'm really slow in about 35 seconds, like if I'm super slow in 35 seconds, I can celebrate the end, but a marathon's 26 plus miles away. And rarely do you get to the end of a marathon so you have to learn how to celebrate little things along the way. And also your rules for recovery are much different. You have to give your body rest. You have to fuel your body differently. And so, you know, you're trying to present it in, in the, these ways uh, to a parent of like your mindset for a marathon is different. Your celebrations of the wins have to be much different. Your rules for recovery and, and the fuel that you have for your life. You have to think slow and steady over the long term. How do I, I'm not going to change anything in a day. 
But if I can be consistent over a very long period of time, there's no stopping what the Lord can do. So when you have a family in that ideal, or like mission together, or let's let's have this shared vision of what God has for us, or what is that ideal you speak to, and, and, and how do you articulate that? Um, and it's a great question, and I think it really does, there's, you know, so if I'm preaching, um, or if I'm teaching in a group, you know, you kind of give like a standardized answer, but but I think the best way is is in conversation of, uh, I remember hearing it said one time that like your calling is where your greatest passions and the world's biggest needs cross paths. So mm-hmm. one of one of the things that I um I'm really big on is helping people just kind of demystify the will of God for their life. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. spend far too much time waiting on a voice from heaven to tell them exactly mm-hmm. what to do yeah. or they just spend time in paralysis because they're afraid that God has something very 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 specific for them to do. They don't know how to do it, so they do nothing. It's like, what if I was supposed to, like, you know, be a pastor, and instead I was an engineer, and and I missed it for my life. And and just, you know, what I say is, first off, if you want to know the will of God for your life, read the Bible. Just keep reading the Bible right, because that's right. the will of God for your mm, life. Yeah. Secondly, yeah. If God has something very very specific for you to do, then He's God. He He has unlimited ways. To tell you, once he talked through a donkey to some, you know, to a guy. <laughs> so like he can make your dog speak very clearly if if there's something specific he wants you to do. Thirdly, otherwise, he's giving you a passion, he's giving you skills, he's equipped your family in a very unique way. Um, and so as you have this conversation and say, okay, how are we wired? Um, what are the things that we love? What is what are the resources that we have that are maybe a little unique to everybody else? And if we kind of were intentional along those lines, some families that, you know, they've been very gifted financially. So like, how do we get invested in the parts of the world that that need help and need the gospel the most? Some families, their home is a very healing home. So how do we become the hub to where we're the house that our kids' friends want to come to and we just are missional on it? You know, some of that might be you know, Saturday night is game night at our house and we're, we, we're a spend the night kind of family. And so we're going to encourage their friends, come to our house on Saturday night. We're going to do fun stuff together. And then we're going to get up and go to church together on, on Sunday mornings. Um, there's so many different ways, but really I love that your calling is where your greatest passions and the world's greatest needs cross paths. And if you're seeking to do it to honor the Lord and it's not what he wants, then he'll close the door. And if it is what he wants, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It actually might be the hardest thing you ever do in your life, but he will make a way. And so I love the idea that family on mission is going to look very different for every family because every family is unique. Yeah, that's awesome. I really, really like that idea of demystifying the will of God and it being, you know, if you look and if you ask for discernment and counsel, like it can become very obvious and then leaning into those things that he's given you a passion for and those places that you know, people are, are in need. I'm curious to hear as as a pastor leading uh, a lot of families in church, once a family, you know, finds that mission, finds that vision, where that, that passion and that need intersect and they say, okay, we're going to do this thing. We're going to, um, you know, invite those people over on Saturday or give financially that thing. How do you as a pastor now outside that family that's chosen their specific mission for life or for their family, how do you then equip them or encourage them to continue that family mission together while they're in your church? You, 
you know, my default is I want to tell them a bunch of things and that just doesn't work. I'm learning more and more as I get older. It doesn't matter what kind of wisdom I think that I have. If somebody's not ready to hear it or receive it, I'm just kind of wasting my breath. So the two best things that I do, not the two things that I do most often, but the two best things that I do are number one, catch them doing good. So when I see those elements that they're doing it well, as specifically as I can speak into that. So not just, hey, I think you guys are doing a good job of living on mission, but like when you invite that annoying kid over to your house and you're kind to him, you're showing him a side of Jesus that he never gets at home. And I just want to say, I'm really proud of you for doing it. Well done. So catch them doing good and be as specific as I can with it. The other is ask curious questions. So rather than telling them specifically what I think that they should do or not, is try to help ask the kind of questions that would lead them into discovering it for themselves. Because, you know, my family's got our own mission and I would not recommend it to anybody else. We're uniquely wired. And so if you try to model what you do off of works, what works in my house, you'd probably be crushed because we're just, we're set up very uniquely. We, you know, we, we've walked through some things together. I've got a, a special needs child that we've adopted, but my family stability, the support structure around us, the resources that we have are just very different than anybody else. So if I can learn to ask the kind of questions that lead to personal discovery for them, then I think they get much, much more passionate about it and then be there to confirm and affirm the good discoveries that they have. Because some people, they just need permission to do what the Lord has, has put on their heart. They don't, they don't need direction so much as permission for the direction that they see that they just might be hesitant to step into. So today, we've got something new and unique that we're really excited about and we want to share with you. One of the things that we have really enjoyed while working to equip people like you is that we get to hear ideas from other ministry leaders around the country like Jay. Across those conversations, we've realized that oftentimes leaders in ministry face similar roadblocks. Yeah, and in our world today, especially in a time like this, those roadblocks can become even more obvious and finding support from others who really understand the problems you're dealing with is crucial. That's why we're excited to announce something new that we're calling Rally Point Roundtables. Each month, we're going to open up virtual groups that allow ministry leaders from around the country to meet with us and each other and discuss a topic that we are all dealing with. You'll get a chance to discuss the issues you're facing and hear creative solutions other people are finding. Our first roundtable is happening on March 18th, and the topic we're all going to be talking about is how to strengthen relationships with others when we're stuck doing life online. It doesn't cost anything to join, but spots are limited intentionally so that we can all learn and contribute to the conversation. We think this is gonna be an incredible experience and we would love for you to be a part of it. You can go to rallypointmin.com roundtable today to get more info and save your spot. been lately doing some studying on on resilience and one of the articles that I that I was reading about as a parent is not just to compl compliment your kid when they succeed but when they're processing or when they're struggling like I see you struggling 
I'm so proud of you. Like it's not always when they get to the end point, because then a lot of times kids will interpret that as I get praised when I succeed. What I was reading about is there's a bunch of studies about it's way more helpful to compliment your kid when they're still in that process, in that uh, we don't know what the end result will be. Mm. And and to say like, hey, I see that you're, you know, uh, with my seven-year-old, he takes a Spanish class and he has a Spanish tutor. And there are days where he like does not want to do it. And I I see him like he'll come downstairs and be like, I don't want to do Spanish today. And I'll say, I hear you, buddy. You still have to do it. And then, you know, midway, I'll just pop in and say, dude, I'm so proud of you for doing it, for, for being here, for having a good attitude, even though I know this morning you didn't want to. And that's midway through instead of instead of after the class and so I've tried to make that more of a priority too in the way that I that I compliment people in my in my sessions hey I see you struggling through this versus just always complimenting the end result yeah and I think um, pastorally speaking and as a parent if you can figure out how to do that as they wrestle with their faith that is a huge mm-hmm. thing you know I this is my oldest daughter is the only one out of the house right now and and I, we've had conversations before where I've said you know there's going to come a time where you're going to have to figure out what's your faith and what's dad's faith. I mean, she's a very, very intelligent girl, but like she's such a sponge that she, anything she's heard me say, she can just kind of say in her own language, but it's like, what's yours, what's hers. And so if one of your kids comes and says, you know, I'm really struggling to believe that, or I really have a hard time believing that saying, you know what, I really admire your honesty because I know sometimes it can be really hard to tell your mom and dad if you're doubting your faith because you're you're afraid that we're going to be disappointed in you but but it's a big part of like for it to be your faith often there has to be a period of doubt and so as a parent if i can kind of swallow the panic and realize this is a good part of the process where i don't try to cut it off i don't get mad i don't try to give quick short answers i don't try to solve every problem that they have faith wise right away but encourage the wrestling through it's a really healthy practice yeah well and i think about you talking about the marathon, you know, and seeing life that way. And for a student seeing this moment of doubt, this in-between moment, you know, you're not at the end, you don't know what you think, that's that's admirable because just like when you're training for a marathon, the 26.2 miles when you finish it is a huge accomplishment, but so is the 200 miles you ran over the course of a year to get ready. And that's part of what that doubt and developing faith is during those years or those conversations when they're asking those types of questions. That really fosters that that identity when you confirm or affirm like, hey, here's who you're becoming and I see that and I love that. And, um, you know, and I think rooting that all in that gospel-centered mission and, and familial community can be just such a powerful way to help the families grow and, and to help the students grow into the healthy adults and, and mature believers. Absolutely. There's a few things, a few practices that we do as a church that I think go right along with that. So as a content planner in my church, and let me just be honest, like at this point, because I'm a parent, I kind of think about this in terms of like, what would set up my personal children the best to thrive spiritually? And then, and then that will probably also help everybody else's kids, which I kind of care about, but I really care about my kids. So uh, everybody else is just benefiting in the process. I think about them graduated from high school, away from home, in their dormitory or in their apartment or whatever, sitting in the room thinking, and I, and, and I think through, what do they need to know deep down inside? What do they need to own to be able to thrive in this chaotic world? And so 
we kind of have like a bucket list of about 12 to 15 different things that I, I teach over and over and over again. I just present it in different ways. And, and some core ones of that, there is the transforming gospel, that the risen Jesus is a saving king, and the, and, and the mm. mission that we have, that we're disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. But there's a couple of really, really big ones around identity, that first and foremost, we are made in the image of God, that our identity as fearfully and wonderfully made, the only part of creation that is made in the image of God. And there's nothing that you could do in your life that's going to add any more value to that. It's like if somebody handed you a Van Gogh painting that's worth $39 million, you're not going to add value to that by drawing your own little stick figure somewhere in the, in the painting. Yeah. Like It's priceless already, really. And so to try to separate identity from accomplishment is a big mm. one, that you are loved by God because you are God's creation, so much so that mm. he died to redeem you. And then the other with identity is we are very specific on trying to cultivate a vision of manhood and womanhood. Every year I teach, and, and actually like at this point, what I try to do is let my students, my older students, handle these lessons because they've heard it so many times. But a vision mm. for manhood, a vision for womanhood, and we use uh, an acronym, R-E-A-L, for each of them. So a real man rejects passivity expects God's greater reward, accepts responsibility, and leads courageously. And I say, okay, and the five-year-old definition of that is that you're a man. That means that God made you strong to take care of others. And we try to affirm their manhood, affirm their strength, but give direction for their strength. And then for a woman, a real woman rejects worldly identity, expects God's greater reward, acts with strength and wisdom, and loves others boldly. And then the five-year-old definition, you're a woman, that means that God made you graceful to heal others. And we talk about how grace is very hard because grace is undeserved favor, but that's what heals the world. And so then at the end of their senior year, and I, and I want to share this with your audience because if you, if you can get your church to do this, it's the most powerful thing we do with students. But even if they don't, you can do this as a family. We have a rite of passage experience, uh, a family fellowship that we do as a church. Well, every student who wants to go through it, only the seniors that want to go through it, they each get a mentor. And so we have like a, a, a dinner at our church together. The students get up in front of the whole church and they teach this manhood womanhood section that I just shared with you. And then each student sits on the stage and a mentor, an adult mentor in their life in front of the church speaks into their life, affirming. Sorry, I'm actually getting choked up. I just experienced this with my daughter this past year, and it's so powerful, affirming the godly character qualities that they see in their life and affirming that they see that they have what it takes. And then at the end of that, we set all of these kids down. We gather as a church around them. We lay hands on them and we pray for them. And we say, it doesn't matter what the rest of the world says. We see you as adults. And in this church, we're going to expect of you what we expect of an adult. And we're going to be alongside you. And we believe in you because we've seen you carry this out. You know, I take kids on mission trips. I take kids to church camp. I do all of these things. That rite of passage is my Super Bowl. It is the most powerful thing that I am a part of in the church family. And each student that we have go through it ends up saying the same thing when it's all said and done. That's beautiful. That's really, really powerful. Well, thank you for sharing that and, and the emotions around it. Um, one of the questions that I, I wanted to circle back to then, you've walked us through to the Super Bowl, but I think a, a lot of times families encounter hard things. They get derailed from that mission. Um, they end up with a kid who is pregnant or 
there's a death in the family or a significant abuse or trauma situation. And parents can really struggle, especially with connecting with their own kids when they're hurting, when the parent is struggling with a sense of guilt over it or that kind of thing. What what do you say, what kinds of things do you do, you do or, or how do you help when a parent feels like they can't connect with their own kid? You know, on a broad level, um, just offer this encouragement. Bad experiences are just great stories in the making. You know, you think about it. If you go, <laughs> if you go on vacation and everything goes great, people have about a 30-second tolerance for hearing about your vacation. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to see your slides. I don't really care yeah. what your accomplishments were. <laughs> But if, but if your tire blows out and your van flips over and then you have to hike out of the bottom of a canyon and, you know, survive mm. on turkey buzzards or something like that, like they are enraptured. It's a, just a phenomenal story in the making. And, and I think that we need to remember that the whole Bible is this terrible story, like this terrible experience that mm. becomes an amazing story because of what comes out of it. And I think in the moment, and I'm at, listen, I'm, I am in the middle of a couple of these right now. And they're, they're kind of long-term ones. I have to remember that this is part of God's great story in the making. And, and, and that helps, you know, back me off of the ledge of panic of today. I think it's good to acknowledge the hurt. Like I, you know, my wife and I, we let our kids see see the hurt and struggle that we're going through. Hmm. Everything that I can do is like, if I feel guilty as a parent, uh, one of the things that I want to model for my children is um, humility and seeking forgiveness. And so I really do feel like everything that I can ever own to my kids and ask their forgiveness for, I want to do. And so in any way, if I've contributed to whatever the bad is, I want to own it and I want to specifically ask for their forgiveness. My kids aren't looking for perfect parents. They they want parents that they can trust. And I think they, listen, a lot of times your kids know when you screwed up. They know when you've done bad. And so the trust is rebuilt just like it is with, you know, you think about with them, like trust is rebuilt when they own it and they start the repentance process. And so we have to remember the same thing with our kids. Trust is rebuilt when you own it and as best as you can repent. But I think like, especially because there's so many bad circumstances, just that remembrance that, that a bad experience is really just a great story in the making. And a movie without conflict is boring and we disengage and your life might be full of conflict right now, but, but the Lord is in the business of, you know, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. He takes the kingdom of darkness and he, rec- he rescues us into the, the kingdom of, mm-hmm. of light. Yeah, I love the way that you are, are talking about the whole parenting process with, with humility. Like we are messed up people trying to follow God with genuineness. And, and in my experience, parents who are humble tend to be the best parents. Well, yeah, tend to connect best with their kids. But I also have a lot of situations where a parent will come and say like, uh, fix my kid. They're, they're really belligerent. They're doing all these things wrong. They're not getting good grades. They're doing this. They're doing that. And there's a clear anger or even bitterness between the parent and the kid um, that's knocking the whole system off mission. Maybe the parent has all these really high ideals of how it should be, and it's not going that way. What what would you say in that kind of scenario? Nobody's going to fix your kid. (laughs) That's Hmm. just like, (laughs) let me give you a reality check. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And so if, if I can release you of the burden of expectation in that way, it'll really be 
really be helped. And um, again, you know, there, there are going to be things I feel like I'm in the middle of a couple of parent, parenting things right now. I legitimately don't know the way forward. And so when that, and, and I want to project like what's really hard is not that I can't bear it today or that the thing is so bad that the world's going to end today. It's that I keep thinking about the worries of tomorrow and I keep pulling them into today. You know, well, if this happens, then this happens, if this happens. And I think just one of the things that's been really helpful for me to remember is that um, if you can bring it back to today and you can say, well, has God given me the grace for today? Like, can I get through today? Can I worship the Lord today and seek the goodness of God today? If the answer is yes, then what makes me think that I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and that he's not going to provide the grace for that? To me, that has been a really calming practice. And I think it's, it's to me, it's rooted in Matthew 6, where, where Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Each day has sufficient enough troubles. And, and that's true. Like God has promised you a certain amount of trouble for every day. But he's also promised that his grace is sufficient for that day. Now, what happens is when you start grabbing the troubles of tomorrow, including the projection of the doom and gloom that's going to happen in your child's life if they just don't listen to you and do what you say, which I, I completely identify with, when you start taking those worries or anxieties and pulling them into today, all of a sudden you don't have the grace to get through today. And so just back away, have some perspective, enjoy the grace of God for today, and trust that it'll be there when you get up in the morning. And some of these things solve themselves. And you don't like a really helpful practice for me is, is I have a five-year journal, which uh, I, I started four years ago. And as I go through each day, I see like what happened on that date last year and the year before and the year before. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's made me really aware of some of, of like some of my seasonal discouragements, mm -hmm. some of my like chronic injuries always happen at the same time of year. And also just mm -hmm. made me marvel of like, man, this thing was such a worry in my life. And now yeah. I don't even think about it. Like it's resolved and it's not even mm -hmm. something that comes to memory. And so you know, if you trust the Lord and you're faithful in doing what you know to do today, God is God and, and he can do a lot of things that you can't do anyway. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, again, I love the humility piece of the way you're talking because I mean, in the eyes of most people, you're the expert. Like you have a, a podcast that people around the world listen to. You're the pastor over families. And to hear you say like, there are situations in my own family right now that I don't know what to do with, I think is really humble, but also really helpful for me, for listeners to go, hey, if mm. the experts don't know, you don't need to know either. <laughs> and that's okay. I think the last time I was an expert was maybe like July 13th, 2002, which was the day before my first daughter was born. And ever <laughs> yeah. since then, I'm flying blind, yeah. man. I'm just right? yeah, doing the best yeah. I can. Yeah. So as we, as we talk about difficult parenting situations and, and, and how to connect with our kids and, and knowing you, you and I both have some foster experience, which can be super unpredictable. How do you coach your parents through getting the support, the, the connections that they need when, when they don't know what to do, when they're feeling lonely? How do you make sure that they, they, they get connected, they get the, the right kinds of resources? You know, first advice I would give is the best time to build a bomb shelter is before the bomb goes off. 
you know, as best you can, you use peacetime to prepare for wartime. And, you know, you use the seasons of rest to make the connections and do the slow, consistent things that you can so that when a, a, a season of calamity, which will come 100% will come. And those are hard times to like, you're desperate. And, and so people that are lacking in the resources tend to do very, very scary things when, when hard times come. And, and resources could be financial resources, but I think a lot of times they're relationship resources. I really don't know any substitute for getting involved in a healthy local church. I mean, yes, listen, listen to my podcast. Okay, there's a there's a little commercial for it, and it can encourage you. And, and we've we've <laughs> done a done a bunch of we've hit a lot of topics in this time, the Let's Parent on Purpose podcast. But there is no substitute for getting in front of people and. And a lot of time, listen, if you're, let's say that you are a parent and there's just not a lot of parents in your church. Um, and you can say, well, there's just not a ton of value from that. Maybe your church is older. That may be the best church in the world for you to be at. Because if you were swimming and you were drowning at swimming, the last thing on earth you need is a bunch of other drowning swimmers around you to help pull you down. You need somebody that knows how to swim. And so and the healthiest way to do that is just to to get involved in your local church. Maybe, you know, if there's whatever your church uses for small groups or Sunday school class, maybe seek out ones from people that are a little bit further ahead than you. You can ask your pastor for recommendations on that. But the other is like, it, even in that, even in your hard times, there's there's certain times in your life where like life is sucking you so dry, you have nothing to give. But but I I really do recommend even in the hard times as best you can in the hard times of parenting or marriage struggles, if you can find some way to serve or be an encouragement, there's something about like not focusing on yourself and not focusing on your problems, which brings some healing. And I don't mean to live in denial. I don't mean to numb it away or to fill right. yourself up so much with serving that, that you're not addressing your problems. So yeah, that's, yeah. I just, yeah. I, I mean, I can give you a lot of things, but there's no substitute for just live not going to church going to church is of barely more value than listening to my podcast but realizing that the church is a community and a family mm. and investing in it and allowing them to invest in you mm. is the best mm. advice i could possibly give you yeah that connects back to what uh noah was saying earlier about I identity um meaning and purpose like the thing that makes you resilient to difficulty is having that community give you identity, meaning, and purpose. Mm. And it, it really does come from the outside. Mm. Yeah. Well, Jay, this has been just a great conversation, and you've you've given us a lot to chew. I, me particularly, not being a parent, not having children, not <laughs> not not being as close to that, and, and hearing from all your wisdom and, and years of doing ministry and being a parent, and is I just have a lot to chew on, and I'm, I'm thankful to have you on just to give us this wisdom and and things to consider as we move forward, especially living on mission. And so finally, I really just wanted to ask because there's uh, so much good stuff you've said, and I'm sure 200 podcast episodes, there's uh, there's plenty more that you could share with us. But if there was one thing you wanted parents to take away from this conversation, um, and then one thing you wanted leaders in ministry to take away from this conversation, what would those things be? People grossly overestimate what they can do in the short term and vastly underestimate what they can do over the long term. And so if you can just take a long-term perspective to, to any ministry thing in your life, I, so I'm, in a, I'm an associate pastor 
in a church where I've been there for uh, more than 12 years. The number of times that I've wanted to quit is just absurd. But you know what? I've I've been at a couple other churches, and it's always been a move from city to city, not a move from church to church in a town. But realizing like there's screwed up things in every church because every church is full of people, and I'm one of those people that keeps screwing it up. I realize if I just stick with it over a very long term, the Lord has so much room and space to do things. So just don't overestimate what's going to happen in the next couple of days, but please uh, don't underestimate if you get intentional about what you're doing, what God will do over a long period of time. Yeah. Well, Jay, that's really valuable. And I know you have plenty more to share. And so I know you've created some resources that people can go to or access if they want to hear uh, more of you. Where could they find that? Yeah. Um, the easiest place is letsparentonpurpose.com. Uh, is my website, but the podcast is on Apple Podcast. It's on Spotify, wherever podcasts are, you can find Let's Parent on Purpose. But I've also created a, a whole slew of resources, and I and I do a weekly email of the best things that I've found for parenting, marriage, or just I have a bizarre sense of humor, things that I like. And so if you want some of those things, um, you can text the word things, T-H-I-N-G-S, to mm-hmm. 66866. And you'll also learn about the podcast by doing that. Awesome. Well, Jay, I'm sure people will learn a lot. We've learned a lot today, and we are so, so Mm -hmm. thankful that you took time to be with us today. So, Jay, thanks so much for being on the show. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. It's been a real pleasure. Man, that was a great conversation with Jay. And one thing I really appreciate about him is... Uh, He's got these bite-sized pieces of wisdom that are simple and yet really impactful. I'm just thinking about when he talks about, um, you know, catching your kids doing good or parenting as a marathon and and not a sprint. I really appreciate those things that are short, memorable, and can really change the way you think uh, in in significant ways and yet are so simple when when he drops those little uh, uh, pieces of information. So I really, really appreciate about that about him. And, uh, and I really appreciate just his desire to equip and encourage people. You know, sometimes um, we get rules for doing things, but we don't always get encouragement. And I love the fact that he's giving guidelines and encouragement together because he really, really cares about families. Yeah, I really liked uh, that some of those nuggets of wisdom were just really focused on creating helpful open spaces like that that idea of catching your kids doing good so that you you get a chance to be encouraging more often and 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 asking the curious questions and trying to help them discover rather than always just telling them what to do and being directive Uh, i just found that really helpful it kind of creates this type of posture where your your kid is allowed and almost forced into uh, a season of discovery especially in their teen years and and I loved how that just in any kind of relationship would create a, a more open, you know, life-transforming kinds of conversation. Yeah. Well, if you're a listener and you want to find new ways to create open conversations with students, uh, with parents, or with your kids, we have a resource that's going to help you do that. It's just a simple way that you can take some of the truths we learned today from Jay and apply them to your life so you can create those spaces for open and honest conversation. To get that guide, go over to rallypointmen.com slash podcast and subscribe with your email. You'll get a link there where you can download this resource and you'll get others that we've created just for you. 
And if you like what you heard today, please rate or review this podcast. When you do that, you can empower other leaders with the tools that can help them support hurting people. And also, we want to hear from you. Uh, So we'd love to know how this episode has helped you or what challenges you're facing in in your environment that we could cover in a future episode. Uh, If if you'd like to reach out to us, just send us an email to hello at rallypointmin.com. Thanks so much for listening.